Welcome back to episode three of Fireside Chats. In this episode, I speak with Roosevelt Group member Jack about his article titled The Case Against Electric Vehicles. You can find Jack's article in print in our first edition of the 2022-2023 New Annals publication or on our website as a PDF at roosevelt-group.org. As always, be sure to check out our social media at The Roosevelt Group on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I hope you enjoy this chat as much as I did. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 3 of Fireside Chats. Today, I'm joined by Jack, one of our members of the Roosevelt Group. Hi, Jack. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. So to get us started, will you tell us where you're from, what year you are at St. Andrews, and what you study? Uh, Yeah, I'm a third year. Uh, I'm from Lewisburg, West Virginia, um, and I'm studying international relations and Russian. Very nice. Um, And then what is your favorite thing to cook for yourself at the moment? Oh, I make this thing. My flatmates just call it like the Jack usual because I have it for lunch and dinner like five times a week. It's just like air fried chicken, pasta, and then like a little sauteed tomatoes and rocket with garlic and salt, pepper, a little chili. Oh my goodness. It's like, oh, it's so nice because you can just keep everything in your fridge, comes together in like 20 minutes. Yeah. It's, It's great. That sounds fantastic. Wow. I should take some notes. I feel like I always just make like, like I always make um, like a rice bowl with some kind of meat, usually either like salmon or chicken, and I cook it with harissa. And my flatmates are always like, we always know you're cooking because of the smell of harissa. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to like make my food not bland. That um, sounds nice though. I yeah. want to do, do more with salmon. It's good, but I feel like it's so easy to fall into like a routine once you find something that you like and mm-hmm. that's it doesn't take an hour to make um okay so anyway that was a great little recipe um let's talk about your article that's in the newly released new annals magazine um so you wrote about the downside to electric vehicles that nobody talks about and the main questions of your article were where do the materials for electric cars come from what Are the ethical and environmental circumstances behind electric vehicles and, like, in their creation? And are they actually any better for the environment? So my first question for you is, what made you choose this topic? This question, this whole topic kind of has been bugging me for a little while, actually. Mm -hmm. Just because I've always tried to be kind of super cognizant of where the stuff that we have that kind of our lives form around where all that stuff comes from so you know like I read a story one time about a gentleman who made a chicken sandwich from scratch meaning he didn't buy anything from a store Mm. and it took him six months and cost him fifteen hundred dollars because he had to like grow his own garden he had to turn ocean water into salt he like raised his own chicken and then killed it and turned it into the meat you know like all of this so and that's just kind of a perfect example. We can just drive through a drive through at like Chick-fil-A or something and get a chicken sandwich. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think it's important to be cognizant of the fact that behind all of these things that we take for granted as part of everyday life, that requires people doing all of these complex things mm-hmm. that like you probably couldn't do with a gun to your head. You know, like growing your own farm. If someone said like, go go start doing that right now. Yeah. You know, you'd, you'd really have no idea where to start. And I think combustion engines, you don't have to love them. They definitely aren't perfect, but they definitely play into that. You know, our entire modern life and way of transportation system is built on those. So I think that there's obviously always room to innovate, but I think that when what 
is currently happening happens, which is basically like government fiat making of combustion engines inaccessible. You know, you kind of have a responsibility to have a healthy amount of skepticism towards that and to look into it. And the main argument in favor of replacing combustion engines with electric vehicles is that they're better for the environment. So that's mm-hmm. just the most obvious question is, are they? Um, and, you know, I don't, it really didn't take that much research actually to mm-hmm. find out that they're they're really ruinous for the environment in a ton of ways that are shocking and also kind of, you know, mind blowing in terms of the amount of damage they do. It, yeah. It's really crazy. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, when I first started reading your article and you were like, electric vehicles actually aren't that great and I was like whoa like what is he gonna say but yeah so um from your article there's a very obvious tangible global push happening towards electric cars um and you argue that it's quote also a failed movement in terms of practicality and and method and your example is that the EU and Australia is going to stop offering loans for non-electric vehicles starting in 2025, which is very, very soon. And similar push or like the same kind of situation is seen in some states in the U.S. and in the rhetoric of Joe Biden's administration. So something I'm wondering is how you also give the statistic that um, electric vehicles make up 2% of American auto sales. So my question is, how affordable are electric cars? Not that affordable, actually. I mean, I think I think probably the cheapest used electric car you can buy now is probably about like 10,000 pounds, more okay. expensive than an equivalent of a combustion engine. Oh, um, and okay. there, there are issues now where in huge parts of the United States, because energy prices have gone up, it's actually now more expensive to charge an electric car than it is to fill up a gas tank, which I think is, you know, this was something that was a big public debate in the States. Mm -hmm. Um, I think middle of last year was, okay, there's a huge spike in gas prices. Um, And there was was kind of a a sentiment that, you know, if you had an electric car, you wouldn't need to worry about that. Mm -hmm. And that's actually not really the case because the cost of charging electric car is so dependent on the energy prices, which are all over the place right now. So I think it's up front, it's much more costly um, and kind of that makes a huge barrier of access for a lot of people. Um, But also it's even long term, you know, there are risks that charging it is going to get a lot more expensive than it would be to buy gas. Um, And that was something, you know, you just mentioned the EU parliament has decided that starting in 2035, you can't buy um, a new combustion engine. You can't you can't sell any more combustion engine cars. Mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of people who don't own real estate, a car is probably one of the most expensive assets that they have. And they use that as, you know, leverage to kind of buy a new car or buy, buy other stuff. You know, once this legislation comes into place, the value of those old cars is going to go through the floor. So that's going to put a lot of people in a lot of personal financial jeopardy because a lot mm-hmm. one of their major assets is now, you know, basically useless because you aren't allowed to, to sell them and sell any new ones. Do you think that this kind of financial situation that probably most people under this kind of like no more loans for non-electric vehicles and then no more selling of non-electric vehicles, period, do you think that the government cares? Um, (laughs) Interesting question. (laughs) Or do you think they're going to like put things in place for people to be able to afford electric vehicles? Um. I, I expect they might. Um, 
I don't know. It's kind of, you never want to kind of impugn motives onto people or kind of try to look into their heads, be like, mm-hmm. what are they thinking? I expect a fair bit of it is just bandwagoning. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think, I think there is a big push to do things that are environmentally conscious, which of course we're on board for, mm-hmm. but you know, I don't think that they've given these cars kind of the due diligence that they should before they say that this is good for the environment. Cause I think they're obviously yeah. not. Um, so I think even if they, even if they did, put mechanisms in place to help people afford it, it the question would be like is that even a good idea mm-hmm. which i'm i'm not sure it is mm-hmm. um just because of the economic um political and environmental downsides of these things yeah yeah so now we can kind of get into the meat of your article so will you walk us through what you found about where the materials for electric cars come from and how ethical is the process of their creation yeah sure so i guess most of the key materials that you need for making an electric car are kind of precious minerals that go into the lithium batteries um so you know i cite that you know each just one electric car battery weighs about a thousand pounds so that's about 30 pounds of lithium 60 of cobalt 130 of nickel um 90 pounds of copper 190 pounds of graphite and then you know the rest is just steel aluminum other materials and that's just for one single battery um and you know, we know where all of that stuff comes from. I think largely from the Congo. The Congo mines pretty much all of the world's cobalt. Chile gets a lot of a lot of the world's lithium. Um, but China kind of has the monopoly on the refining process. So their companies are the ones who are usually responsible for the extraction and then the refining. Um, so I think China controls about 80% um, of the entire world um, electric vehicle battery market right mm-hmm. now. Um, and unfortunately, we know what the labor standards are and kind of the human rights situations in a lot of these countries, and they're not great. So I think the Congo is the best documented. They have about 40,000, I think, child slaves working just in cobalt mining. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and they're you know, enslaved. They're yeah. not, like, being paid at all. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so I think Amnesty International actually put out a report about this because they were, I think, basically verbatim what they said is, you know, the marketing of the fancy state-of-the-art uh, green energy technology, meaning lithium batteries, is mm-hmm. very much at odds with the picture of children carrying bags of rocks mm-hmm. um, in slave conditions, which is what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, unfortunately, that is quite common um, in the countries where this is happening. And also something to consider on the environmental front is that a lot of the mining for this material takes place in like very remote locations. So it's locations that's dependent on diesel fuel to run Mm -hmm. enormous pieces of mining machinery that aren't connected to the electric grid. Um, So even just the process of mining itself, besides depending on slave labor and requiring just overturning, I think for that one battery that I was talking about, the thousand pounds of usable material, you have to mine 50 tons of ore. So you're, Mm you're using, you know, you're using diesel machinery to dig up tons of ore, tons and tons and tons of ore. Um, using child slaves, um, and then that is, of course, being refined and processed in, by China, which has its own track record of kind of treating its workers very horribly, mm-hmm. um, and all of that is just to produce one single battery. Yeah, mm-hmm. wow. Um, so then this battery, what is like the longevity of an electric car's battery? Is it more lasting than like a combustible car it kind of it, it fluctuates mm-hmm. on it and because you know like they're kind of innovating all the time so i think they're getting better and better mm-hmm. um i think 
Yeah, I think it, it's really hard to say. Mm -hmm. I think because I think a couple years ago they were like, okay, it's only half. It only lasts half as long as a combustion engine. I think it's quite a bit better than that now, mm -hmm. just because they're they're getting better. Yeah. So when when was the first electric car sold on the market? Do you know? I actually don't. I could find out pretty quickly though. <laughs> um, yeah, because I feel like I didn't start hearing about them until within the last ten years. But I'm not sure. So this is taking me back to 1890, <laughs> which I don't think is, I don't think no. that's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, I um, don't think so. Yeah, but here, would you say, okay. Um, <clears throat> Tesla began development in 2004 on the Tesla Roadster oh. and first delivered to customers in 2008. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Okay. So then I guess they just became more common on the market within the last 10 years, mm -hmm. but that's still only 2% of... American auto sales. Yeah. So which that's is wild. Yeah. And I mean, like going back to the environmental issue. So, yeah. you know, when you dig up ore, you know, in the ore, there's going to be a percentage of whatever it is that you're looking for that's actually usable. As demand for this goes way, way up, um, you know, people are going to start chasing ever lower, lower quality ores mm -hmm. to make these batteries, which is going to lead them into even more remote locations, you know, places that have, you know, very diverse environments that have not previously been disturbed. Mm -hmm. It's going to lead, you know, miners and businessmen in these industries into those areas looking for these minerals. So I think there, there was an estimate that you're going to see a 300 to 600% increase in emissions um, caused just from extracting the materials because of how, because people are going to be looking for them in other places. Mm -hmm. And I guess also the the labor situation. I mean, it's just going to get worse probably. Yeah. yeah. As they try to make more of the of the batteries. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I after reading your article, I looked at um, I just looked up like electric vehicles, and I found the the very pro electric vehicle marketing that you talk about in your article, and that we see all the time. Just I feel like around life. Um, and it really just seems like a joke after reading, like, what you write about, about the labor and the environmental impacts. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of crazy. But, um, okay, sorry. <laughs> Next question. Do you, okay, yeah, so with the issue of, of having to go into more remote locations and, and, unfortunately probably enslave more people or pay people very very low wages for super difficult labor do you think that the u.s would ever or could ever attempt to produce electric vehicles in an ethical or environmentally friendly way on domestic territory probably not mm -hmm. um i think partly just because i don't as of now, we don't have enough of the raw materials that you would need to upscale something like that. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I think right now we have one nickel mine that's functional in the entire country. Um, wow. So it's like we just don't have the scale. And, you know, I think like America found huge oil reserves in what, like 2014, 2015, mm -hmm. that sort of range. So there's always a chance you could find something um, that would make it viable, but as of right now, we just don't have it. Um, but then the other side of that is it doesn't matter where you do it. It's still going to be, you know, it's still going to mean 
very heavy environmentally toxic mining to get to it. Yeah. Um, So this was something that actually came up in the article because there were plans, or I think there currently are plans to open up a nickel mine somewhere out west in the States. Um, Mm. And it it caused protesters from farmers, from native tribes who were worried about it contaminating their water. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, one protester camped on the site. I'm going to remember this. He was like, you know, uh, blowing up a mountain is blowing up a mountain. You know, it doesn't matter how much marketing spend you put on it. And I think mm-hmm. that they have they have very good reason to be worried, I think, because if you go to a place like China that has, you know, large lithium mines, a lot of the places around those mines are like unlivable now. Um, so yeah. they have, you know, all of the fish in the rivers near the mines are dead. You know, the yaks in the fields are dead from drinking the water, just kind of contaminates the area. Um, mm-hmm. And people protest- protested in China um, about it too. And they were actually, those protests were suppressed by the military. So I think it's, I think for people who actually live in those areas, they are really not happy about it. Um, so I think I think we should kind of be be conscious of that when we think about if we want to bring something like that over to the states. Mm-hmm. So why do you think it is that we just don't really hear about this side of things? Um, I think I think there's kind of a big push to be environmentally conscious, like I said. And which I think is a good thing. But I think if you put the label on something that it's environmentally cautious or conscious, sorry, mm-hmm. it will kind of prevent people from, you know, kind of showing that healthy amount of skepticism mm-hmm. that you should. Um, I think that's part of it. I also think that sometimes you just you don't pay as much attention to things that aren't happening in your backyard, mm-hmm. which also makes sense because, you know, as people, we can only pay attention to a certain number of things. Um, And it's not like electric cars are the only industry where this happens. You know, I think there are a lot of brands like, you know, Nike is the obvious one. You know, they've been kind of credibly accused of using slave slave labor and and sweatshops to make Mm -hmm. their products so inexpensive. Um, So I think that's another part. It's just that you can only pay attention to so much and within a certain radius. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's it's not going to it's not going to kind of blip on your radar until it gets within a certain proximity of you. Yeah. Yeah, and I think also, like, the consumer mentality is just, or, like, all the rhetoric we hear about, um, what's your carbon footprint? Mm -hmm. And you're thinking about, what am I recycling? How much carbon is coming out of my car? Like, what kind of things am I producing as a person, but not what are the things that I'm buying, producing into the environment? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think if we started to look at, like where our laptops came from or our iPhones or our clothes, which I mean, there's a huge push socially, I feel like for more sustainable clothing, Mm -hmm. we would find a lot of really ugly stuff that we've just never given thought to, which I think is wild. But yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. It kind of goes back to the idea of just like, you know, try to be mindful of where the stuff you have comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's kind of, I don't know what it is. It's like a very, very foundational question, but I think people get get so busy they don't really think about it that often. And I think that that really goes for everyone. I'm yeah. definitely, definitely guilty of it all the time. Like I'm wearing a Nike shirt right now. <laughs> um, so it's just, you know, you can't, you can't ever fix everything. You know, you can't be perfect, but it's like, I think it's interesting because this is on, on the cutting edge. You know, this is new. We, mm-hmm. we kind of, we have a chance to decide how much of this we want to allow. Um, and it seems like instead of having a, having a conversation about it, um, there are kind of levers in power that are being pulled 
to kind of force this onto everyone in a very short time frame. So I think we're sort of circling the drain on something that hasn't been thought through enough. Yeah, absolutely. I After reading this article, I totally agree with you. Um, and you mentioned in your article that the U.S. relies, and we already kind of talked about this, on other countries, namely Australia, China, Chile, and the Congo, to produce electric vehicles. Do you think that there's any way that these countries would ever fashion a sustainable system of production to like employ people and better their own economies or do you think or is it is it so like privatized and capitalist that all they want to do is just cheapen their expenses and increase their own gains yeah I mean that's a really hard very interesting question but I do think I do think it probably is more of the latter option that you Mm -hmm. just laid out you know I think we have a very, very globalized economy, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I think I think capitalism is wonderful. It's produced a lot of great stuff, but if you play with those rules, you kind of have to accept the fact that the more globalized you get, the more situations like this are going to crop up. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that's kind of just an unfortunate side effect of what's going on is, you know, you want these goods that require these rare minerals from kind of other countries, you have to accept the fact that, you know, you do that to drive the cost down. So mm-hmm. the cost is going to get driven down. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you just happen to be in a country with, you know, a government that's not as mindful of human rights, that's what, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, I think you hit you hit a wall where you just can't really do anything to change the conditions aside from stopping to do it, you know? Yeah. So if... If they just, like, took away... So, okay, a statistic that I have is that um, carbon-producing vehicles make up 16%, was it? Hold on. Yeah, it was something like 16% of all carbon emissions. Do you think that, like... Do you think we should pivot as a society from trying to like lessen our own carbon footprint in the way of road transportation and um do you think we should pivot to focusing on something else like for example bigger forms of emissions like live agriculture or air travel even though i feel like air travel is kind of the same situation as road traffic yeah yeah i think you're right um i don't know i i think there i think there's a lot of stuff you can do Um, I think they are coming out with combustion engines that are like radically, radically cleaner, um, which would be wonderful to see more widespread. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I think they're still in the very early stages. I couldn't really tell you much about how those work. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, you know, more innovation like that would be, would be good to see. I think we should at some point get around to the private air travel thing (laughs) just Mm -hmm. because that makes up a shocking amount of our emissions. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't. I think I think there's a lot of stuff we can do um, that kind of doesn't doesn't require reverting reverting mm-hmm. back to mining um, to get stuff for for our electric cars. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's also just such a a panic that everybody feels because there's so much about how if we don't act now, like we're all gonna die, mm-hmm. and it's it feels like 
the only way that I as a person or an individual in general can make a difference is by doing something like buying an electric car. So do you think that that culture of fear is too strong to revert and be like, look, these actually aren't great, but let's focus on these other things to better the environment? Ooh, I mean, optimistically, I think I think probably no, because I think when you actually lay out what's happening with people, mm-hmm. they're a little bit like, uh, <laughs> that's not really what I assumed. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's just hard because there's a huge machine right now that's pushing these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they really are on kind of the cutting edge of, you know, the technology um, and the industry. And, you know, I think I think the government's definitely supporting them. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of reasons to look at them and be like, oh, these are fantastic. Um, so I think it, it just takes a little more kind of due diligence on people's part. So I don't, I don't really think it's like too much to ask. Mm -hmm. Um, it just sort of needs to be a case where people turn the corner, um, and, you know, start, start just being a little more conscious of, of putting their money into that. Yeah. Yeah. So who, you said this information was easy to find, but obviously the common Joe driving his new Tesla doesn't probably doesn't know this stuff. So who are the people who are talking about the darker side of electric vehicles and where did you find this information? Um, you know, I sort of, I started quite general. So I started with like the world counts. I think I actually cited some, some stuff from there. Um, just looking at the impact of green energy, um, and the effects of mining. Cause of course the electric cars are sort of just one appendage of the green energy kind of body, I guess, if, if you can put it that way. Mm-hmm. So that's where I started. I started very generally with like, okay, all of these green energy um, apparatuses, they use lithium, lithium batteries. So it's just a case of Googling um, and researching with more specifically, just like, where does the lithium come from? Where does it, where do you get it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, that sort of leads you automatically into the stuff about the human rights um, so it's, it's kind of the case of you have to know what questions to ask, yeah. I guess, I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, cause again, you know, the marketing, the marketing for the green energy and electric cars in particular is I think, is I think quite good. Mm-hmm. So if you don't, you kind of have to skirt around sources that, you know, are trying to promote them specifically, um, mm-hmm. and look, look more at, you know, look more at maybe some government databases, look at the world counts, look at, you know, I found some great investor websites actually, because, you know, they pay attention to heavy industry and mining um, yeah. where raw materials getting found. Um, so all of, all of those, all of those sources that don't have as much skin in the, especially electric vehicle game, they were all, they were all super useful. And then once you kind of get on the right track, you really just can't stop and mm-hmm. can't, can't really unsee it afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it's more like different, different parts of the same issue like Mm -hmm. you have the environmental people and then the human rights people kind of Mm -hmm. and then the investors like you said but they're all kind of yeah yeah they all kind of yeah they all sort of have their own piece piece of the puzzle Mm -hmm. that that they're working on Mm -hmm. I remember a few years ago Tesla came under fire for its unethical mining of cobalt um do you think people are still discussing this or care Mm, I don't, not to the degree that they should, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it kind of, it kind of goes back to the fact that people don't need to be aware of everything that's going on mm-hmm. in the world all at once. 
Um, I do think that this issue is kind of special and stands out, though, just because we're the people who are receiving the end products of this, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, the you know, the cobalt isn't coming out of the ground in the Congo to stay in the Congo. You know, it's happening because it's eventually going to end up in the shiny Tesla mm-hmm. that winds up here. Um, and I think that that's, that's been a point of policy concern. So I think it needs to be talked about a lot, lot more mm-hmm. here, um, just because we're kind of the direct beneficiaries of this system that has a lot wrong with it. Yeah, totally. Um, what would you say to all of the pro-climate people who think that buying electric vehicles is better than buying cars with a combustible engine? Um, well, I, would, I would ask them to read the article. <laughs> I mean, I think I would just say that, you know, not liking electric cars really has nothing to do with the environment. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I love, I love the environment, love being outside. You know, I kind of, I organize my day around getting to spend as much time as possible, like running or walking on West Sands, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, you can have all the love possible for the climate and still absolutely hate (laughs) these new cars, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of the camp I'm falling into myself. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think, I think like you said, there's an, a push to kind of do something now. Um, and that seems like something that's kind of readily available, but I think that, Ultimately, you have to kind of think, okay, where do I want to end up? I want to be living a life that's more sustainable. And then you have to act on that. So it's, I would be, you know, don't be impulsive and Mm -hmm. kind of jump on research. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, you know, don't, don't jump on any bandwagon ever, Mm -hmm. which I think, I think that might be sort of the overall, overall point of this. Um, You know, it's, it's perfectly okay to ask questions or be like, I'm not quite, quite on board with this. You know, I have, I have some issues. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just because someone says that this is good for the environment doesn't mean that you can't, can't take a little while, slow down and look into it and really figure it out because all of this stuff is brand new. Um, so there's, there's nothing wrong with having some skepticism about it. Um, Mm -hmm. and again, that doesn't mean at all that you don't like the climate. Um, it actually, I think slowing down and thinking about what these things actually mean for the environment means that you care more. Yeah, totally. I think that's, what you said was really good. Just don't hop on any bandwagon ever in yeah. any part of your life. I feel yeah. like you should always formulate your own opinions and do your own research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was what, one of the things I loved about this journal that we just put out the new annals mm-hmm. wars. You should totally buy it. Yeah. Um, if you can. <laughs> um, but I just, I thought the name was so cool and there was an explanation about, you know, a more is kind of an ingrained, an ingrained reflex that people have that they don't question. And Mm -hmm. it was so much fun. I haven't quite finished the journal yet, but just to read people, you know, kind of doing what I'm doing, just in other areas being like, this is, this is something that we've all kind of internalized and it's an instinct for us. And I'm going to kind of question it a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of us did that in the journal. So it was, it was really cool to hear. Yeah. Um, But, but yeah, I think very, very important lesson, you know, it's, there's never anything wrong with being, wanting to dig a little deeper into something. Yeah, especially, I mean, like you said, I think we forget how new these things are um, Mm -hmm. and really, like, could be and are so much more harmful than we we give them credit for in, like, the popular mindset. So where do you think we go from here? You mentioned that they're coming up with much cleaner engines. Um, when do you think those will be out on the market? Do you know? I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. I would, I would have to look into that Mm -hmm. a little more. 
Um, Do you think, like, in cities that have um, really good, like, train systems or uh, light rail, are those electric? I think they're they're transitioning towards electric now. Okay. Um, but do you think that they're made with the same, like, mining materials for batteries that electric cars are? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'll say something and then just get ripped apart because I really <laughs> have no idea what I'm talking I know cars pretty well. I have no idea what's going on with the trains. Yeah. Um, I think that could be a cool avenue, though. I oh, mean, yeah. if, if mm-hmm. scientists somewhere yeah. could figure out a way to make light rails a thing because mm-hmm. I'm from Nashville and the traffic is horrendous yeah. <laughs> and there's no train system and mm-hmm. there used to be one and they got rid of it for oil lobbying really yeah and and like during the last 100 years like when my grandmother was was in college in Nashville they had trains mm-hmm. all over Tennessee and now the closest train is Chicago mm-hmm. and um or DC and um yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, I feel like if, if in American cities, like in European cities, if we had light rail more, it would make it easy. People would start stop buying cars so much, mm-hmm. and the emissions would go down yeah. insanely. So I guess that's a way. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think you're 100% right. And I think we, the United States, it's really cool to see what's happened with their emissions, actually, because the emissions from transportation has gone up. Um, but emissions from, you know, like electricity production has gone down relative mm. to each other. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like this, they've, the lines have kind of inverted on a bar graph, which yeah. I think is cool. And I think public transportation would be a really good way to kind of mitigate, you know, the increase of transportation emissions relative to electricity emissions. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, people wouldn't need to drive everywhere and that would be, that would be great. I think it is, it is a little bit difficult logistically to do that in the States just because of how huge the country is. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, I I read the other day and I haven't confirmed if this is totally true, but that America has more mileage of train tracks laid than like the entire country of Germany. Um, Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. But you know, it's (laughs) like that mileage can connect to American cities and it can connect like every city in Germany (laughs) because they're so much closer together. Mm -hmm. So there are some logistical problems, but I do think, I think that would be something to look at really, Mm -hmm. really closely. I've kind of, I've been, you know, kind of dragging Tesla (laughs) the entire time we've been here, but they have, yeah, but I, (laughs) I think it's not, it's the boring company. It's like another one of Elon Musk's companies that's looking at these underground trains have you have you seen anything oh, about yeah. that aren't they gonna make one between dc and new york i think so that and then goes maybe... in like 30 minutes yeah i think so because it yeah. was like so the idea is you make like a tunnel underground mm-hmm. and turn it into like a vacuum seal Whoa. so there's no air resistance or mm-hmm. friction so it takes like a fraction of the energy to get the train moving and then it really like doesn't ever slow down and doesn't needs very little energy to keep going because there's no there's like no friction, no air resistance. Mm-hmm. It's just moving through a vacuum. That would so that be would be huge. cool. I don't know. I don't. I mean, there would probably be energy costs associated with like pumping building the it. air out of the tunnel and then like building that. I'm sure yeah. that would be an absolute nightmare. But yeah, you know, I think I think there's a lot of a lot of really good stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I think that with all of that stuff, like with the electric cars, it's going to be, you know, a matter of asking serious questions about it. You know, not don't just be willing to to accept any of it. Yeah, totally. Um, this has been such a great conversation. I think, honestly, I went through all the questions I had. Um, 
Is there anything I didn't ask you about that you want to talk about more? Um, no, not really. I think, I think we got through all of it. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel, <laughs> I feel both uplifted and like, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, what are we going to do as a world? Cause even with, it's like everything has to get worse before it can get better. Yeah. And it's like, there's no easy solution. And I feel like that's just the predicament that Gen Z is in. Yeah. We're entering the world and everything is just like falling apart. Yeah. I think we're, we're like, I think we're sort of on the cusp of, mm-hmm. you know, the tech revolution, mm-hmm. which has been like, just bonkers. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just been insane. Crazy man. Um, so you just, you know, I think a lot of times we all sort of feel like we're just sort of flotsam along for the ride of mm-hmm. these huge currents. Um, that are you know these different kinds of technology so it just it can feel very overwhelming at times it was Mm -hmm. kind of overwhelming to write this but I think at the same time in the process of sort of learning more about it and thinking about it and trying to be prudent you also end up feeling a lot better about it yeah um because you you feel like you have a grasp on this now um, yeah and and you have you have a better idea of maybe not what to do but you know, what not to do, I guess. Yeah, what not to do. And when you look at the news, you know so much more than what's going on. I mean, oh, yeah. I feel like after having this conversation and reading your article, we both know more than probably a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it was so easy. You just read the new announce article. Yeah. <laughs> coming to a store. Maybe yeah, you coming play. to a taste. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, Actually, awesome. maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Forget I said that. Sorry, Gabby. Um <laughs> Oh, that would be yeah, uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, I remember actually I left the launch party mm-hmm. for the new announce and I got like a news notification on my phone and it was about Tesla. And they really? <laughs> Yeah, so they, they say? Tesla had to recall like almost half a million of its cars. No with way. This, with, with like the self driving software. Because oh. this and this yeah, they recalled it. This wasn't like something that came up in testing. Mm-hmm. There were like people on the roads. And this the Teslas would, you know, they would drive straight when they were in a turning lane so they would have to turn off they would go through stoplights without stopping they would go through yellow lights without slowing down they didn't know what the speed limit was where they were no way so it's like you know i just had to come back and hit tesla one more time yeah every (laughs) on every facet these things are like they are not at the level that we would expect them to be yeah they're not time tested you know they're just they're nothing that you need to be so into that you cannot admit any of the problems with them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there was this hilarious Times article the other day, and he he bought an electric car and ended up selling it, and he was, like, ranting about it in this column, and he was like, you know, I would call the mechanic, and they would be like, you've got a software issue here, and I can't fix it because I'm a mechanic. Whoa, like, I'm yeah. a car mechanic, and this is not a car. Like, this is an iPad on wheels. <laughs> like, I know there's, like... So, That's so true. Yeah, so it just goes back to, you know, this thing is not... I don't know. It's not something that's up on a pedestal that's untouchable. Like, the world does not know how to deal with it yet. Yeah. That's wild. So, wait, but with the autonomous vehicle function, is there still someone behind the wheel sitting there? Yeah. While Mm -hmm. the car is driving itself? Yeah. So, if something happened, like, it went through a stoplight, someone could take control of it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm not, I haven't driven a Tesla before. I assume it's probably like speed control in a car where like if you, if you hit the brake, it kind of overrides everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, But still, you know, I think it's, 
you know, Tesla's a very kind of forward-looking company, and they're like, you know, this is how cars are going to be, you know, where you can just kind of sit back and it'll drive itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you there's a lot of evidence that you can't you can't do that yet yeah Um, and you can't you can't kind of just take that at face value Mm -hmm. um so yeah yeah kind of just you know back to the themes we've been talking about the whole time you know it's it's fine to be skeptical of stuff yeah totally and do your research Mm -hmm. those are the big lessons of today um well wow thanks so much for coming on the show jack thanks for having me I loved reading and discussing your article, and I learned even more in this discussion than I had when I had just read it. Um, If you want to read Jack's article for yourself, you can get a copy of our printed New Annals magazine or find it on our website, www.roosevelt-group.org, where it will be visible as a PDF. As always, make sure to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at the Roosevelt Group. Um, See you next time. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Ward. Thanks, Jack.